You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, everyone. You're joining me for episode 185 of the Blended Family Podcast. I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I think right after the last episode aired that Thursday, my daughter got into a car accident. Thankfully, she's totally fine, no injuries, but her car is not fine. It was totaled. And so we've been dealing with trying to get her a new car. The one she totaled had liability only, and so we had to scrape together some money to find something cheap. And when you're trying to spend only $500 on a car, you aren't really going to get anything decent, but that's all we had for her because she still owes money on the other car. My ex-husband is a mechanic, but he was out of town, so Sean and I had to find something, and it was really stressful because I don't know a thing about cars. But we did find her an old Passat that only needed little things, thank goodness. So needless to say, it's been a mess. But I have to brag about my daughter for a minute. She really handled herself so well. She called me and said, Mom, I need you to not freak out and come and meet me but stay calm, she said. And she was way more calm than I was. She was more worried about me, I think. But it's never a good feeling getting the call. You probably remember a couple years ago when it was my son who was thrown from a car. And now the youngest two are both on the road with permits. And it's really scary having kids on the road. But I think we'll live through it somehow. Let's see what else. Uh, The last episode I did here with Amy Novakovich, well, I was actually on her Finance Friday Facebook Live. Say that three times fast. So if you want to catch that, it's posted everywhere on my social media, or you can get it right from her Facebook page at Nova Wealth Management. We discussed blended families, finance, and balancing it all. So please support her. And if you haven't listened to the episode we did together, then go check it out. And today I have another co-host joining me, and we'll get to it in just a minute. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Song Finch. I sing their praises often, but trust me, you don't really want to hear me sing. Instead, let Song Finch do the singing for you. They make one-of-a-kind, unique songs from scratch. You can customize your song by choosing the genre and adding your personal story, as well as what kind of vocalist you want. The process is easy and fun, and within a week's time, you will have your very own song. These songs make gift-giving simple and extremely special. I mean, who wouldn't want a song made just for them? We're headed into the holiday season now, and these songs make great gifts for any occasion. Now, in the background, you hear one of the songs they made for my bonus kids, but I've already used their services twice, and I will be working with them again soon because I think they're amazing. So go over and check out their website at songfinch.com. That's S-O-N-G-F-I-N-C-H, songfinch.com, where you can look around and listen to some of the songs they've created. And when you're ready to get started, make sure you use my promo code BLENDED for a $20 discount. Once again, that's songfinch.com. 
promo code BLENDED. Now, I've been getting lots of response for the co-hosting, and it's been going really well. I've been enjoying getting to know some of you better. That's the best part to me, and the conversations we're having are so beneficial. If any of you want to join me, just schedule a call by going to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule. Choose the mini session option and put co-host there in the notes so I know that it's not for coaching. And these first calls will be over the phone rather than Skype, but the actual recording, we will use Skype. And I'm trying to make things easy as possible. And of course, if you have any questions, you can reach me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. So please enjoy this conversation between myself and Ashley, a member of our community. Today is another of my co-host series, and I'm joined by Ashley Garland, who has a blended family of seven. So there's five kids, one of whom is special needs. She's got a whole lot going on, yet she continues to have a positive attitude through it all. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. So let's start by learning a little bit more about your family. So tell us how you all came to be blended. And then I guess give us a little bit of a rundown of the ages of the kids. Okay. Um, Well, we came together because um, I actually, we lived, me and my husband now, we lived about, I don't know, two hours away from each other. And we got to talking and, um, my sister who I haven't, I've only seen her like probably four times in my entire life. Um, we got to talking to her about me being separated and she wanted me to meet this man. And I'm like, well, I don't really know if I'm ready or not, but, um, we, she hooked us up together and we started talking and come to find out he had, my husband had been best friends with my sister's husband their entire lives and we had never met. And so that was a little weird, but, um, so we started talking and I had zero intention on getting remarried, being with someone long-term. I just, you know, wanted to talk to him, see if, you know, we wanted to try dating or whatever. And so we actually went on a blind date and again, didn't really want to take it too seriously. Just wanted to kind of see where it went. And my dad, within about two weeks of actually meeting my husband, um, my dad got um, really, really sick. He was in liver failure and went to the hospital. And my husband, Jeff, he really, he really stepped up with helping me with the kids and um, just meeting me at the hospital every single day. He was there sometimes a few times before I was. And he really stepped up, and I'm like, wow, where'd this guy come from? So I was like, okay, I'll give him a shot, you know. And gosh, that was maybe three years ago, and we've been married and traveled and, and you know, whatever. You, you name it, we've done it already. And so I guess we were just meant to be, but that's how we actually got together. And so, um, but we have, he has full custody of his three children he has for the last eight years and he was single for six or seven. And so he's just been a single dad with these three kids and his kids are 18, which that's our boy. And he's got a 16 year old girl and a 10 year old girl. She's our youngest. And then I have, um, 
two daughters. I have a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old. So all together, there are seven of us. Wow. That is, that's just like us. We've got a, we've got a, well, we have seven because we've got grandma living with us. Otherwise we'd be six. (laughs) Um, So, so you've got a lot going on. One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about here on the show uh, that I think is really important is that you're raising a child with special needs and that is your 14 year old Mm -hmm. daughter. Uh, And by the way, out there for the listeners, if you're all wondering how I already know so much about these co-hosts before we speak, it's because we always get on a call first so I can get to know them and determine what topics we'll talk about on the show. So I got a chance to learn a lot about Ashley in advance. Uh, So anyway, Ashley, raising a special needs child comes with its own challenges. And for you, you add to it a blended family. So this topic is not something I've ever addressed on the show, and I have no personal experience with it. So I'm glad you're here to add such value on the subject. So tell us a little bit about her, about your special needs child. What's going on with her? Well, um, she started out rough. She was born. I was only four months pregnant when she was born. She was born at, um, I think it was 26 weeks and she was a mono mono twin. And, um, so they were like in the same sack. And so I was in the hospital for quite a while. Um, and then when I gave birth to them, um, her, her twin, which her name was Madison, she passed away a few days afterwards just because they were feeding off of each other. And they just, um, they just, you know, the hospital they tried and I love the hospital. Michaela was actually in the hospital, um, for, I want to say eight months after she was born. And then when she came home, she was on oxygen, a heart monitor. We had speech therapy, occupational, developmental, physical, all those therapies at home um, for the first, well, until she started school, so the first four years. But um, And it's worked wonders for her. They told me she wasn't going to be able to walk. They told me that she might not be verbal, um, but she does have bleeding of the brain, which is, it's a grade two is what she has. She has autism. Uh, Asperger's actually is the form that she has. Um, she has a mild case of cerebral palsy that affected like her, um, her legs. She, she doesn't have good movement in her legs, but, but she walks, she talks, she, you know, she verbalizes sometimes. Well, you know, she has her moments, but, um, she's had heart surgery twice, eye surgery twice. Um, she has, you know, asthma, you know, she's in the special needs classes at school, but they work really well with her. Um, but she, I mean, she gets along really well with the siblings and, but you know, she has her moments and when she has her moments, everybody knows Leave Michaela alone for a little while <laughs> because um, it you you never know what's going to set her off that day, and you never know. Um, like when I wake her up in the mornings, I'll I'll just be like, "Oh, Michaela, it's time to get up, get out of bed, you silly little girl," you know, just because I want her to be happy when mm-hmm. she wakes up because the smallest thing will set her off, and then when Michaela's not happy. A lot of the people in the house are not happy because she's very territorial and she's 14, but mentally she's about, I would say eight or nine. And so our 10 year old is more advanced than her. And she, she doesn't like 
our youngest to touch her stuff. Um, and Michaela, she, like, she will get to where she'll say, that's my shirt. And then Rainy, our youngest, she'll go, well, you know, you gave it to me because it didn't fit anymore. And then Michaela will say, well, I bought it and at Kohl's at, you know, and you were with me and it was in November. I mean, she, she remembers where you bought it, whose it was, whose it was meant for, you know, all that stuff. So that gets a little hard sometimes. Yeah, that would be really understandable. Um, So aside from the challenges with her like that, what other added daily or weekly challenges are you dealing with and caring for her? Well, I mean, the main one is a schedule. You have to have a schedule with her. And that kind of goes along with having seven people in the house also. I mean, if I didn't have any special needs, I would have a schedule, you know. But she gets thrown off. And she fixates on things. So, like, we're going on a trip this weekend. But we don't tell her what we're doing or where we're going until, like, the day of. Because she'll say, where are you going? What time are we going? When are we going to be there? What are we going to do when we get there? Who's going to be there? How are we getting there? You know, it's just thousands of questions. Yeah. And so we have to kind of be like, hey, don't say anything. But this is what we're doing at this time. And, and as far as, like... You know, um, the school goes, you know, we, I have to email the school several times a week, you know, because she'll say, well, I don't have any homework, you know, and, um, she does, but she doesn't communicate well with that. So we've, and we give her chores. Um, she has like, she got, she loves to go to the mailbox, you know, so nobody else gets to touch the mail. She gets to go to the mailbox. And as far as like, if she's in a bad mood, we all have to, even when we're in a bad mood, we all have to be positive and smile and give her hugs and things like that because we know she reads people really well. So if she sees we're in a bad mood, it stresses her out. And so you really have to be patient and fake a smile as as much as you can around her because if she 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 gets really stressed out if she even feels the emotions in the room are going downhill. Wow. So she's very intuitive and probably Mm -hmm. works a little bit with her energy. And that must be interesting on how it works for the rest of the family. So tell me, how does it, because it sounds like from what you're telling me that everybody is on board with being really helpful. How does her special needs affect the blended family as a whole? Do the other kids help out? Do they feel like it takes away from them? Tell me how the whole family accepts the challenges of their sibling. Well, I don't think that we feel it takes away from us because we have family meetings about once or twice a month. And what a family meeting is, is I'll just come in with a notepad and everybody knows, go to the couch. Mom's Mm going to have a meeting. And so we'll say, okay, you know, Michaela, this is what you need to work on this month. Or Rainy, this is what you need to work on this month. You know, we'll just tell the kids, this is where we're falling short this month. And everybody knows kind of you know, what to expect, because as far as taking away from someone, um, I feel all of the kids know I've got my flaws too. Mom needs to come over here for a few minutes and deal with mine. So of course she's going to have to go over to Michaela a few minutes and deal with hers. So we, I mean, we really, that's one of the things we really stressed before we moved in with each other was this is us, you know, this is, this is, 
what you have to deal with. But then my husband was like, well, this is us. This is what you're going to have to deal with. So, you know, everybody has their problems. Michaela's just happens to be, you know, autism. But you have other kids who might have depression or might have just be a, a teenager who, you know, has their, you know, their time of the month problem. <laughs> or you got the teenage boy who, you know, I mean, everybody has everything. Oh, we yeah. all know we've got problems, you know, and, and a lot of the kids do the sports. And we got one in cross country. We got one in softball, one in basketball, and one in baseball. So, so we know, you know, during this season, you're not going to see much of me because, I mean, I'll leave work and change clothes in the car to get to the ball game on time, you know. So we all – and we're all there. I make sure everybody goes to as much as possible because I want that. I want people to see us together. And and that's the one thing that I hear all the time is, man, that's so cool that you guys do everything together. And, you know, it's a catch-22 because do we get on each other's nerves all the time? Uh, yeah, all the time. Well, all, all <laughs> but, families do that. And, and exactly. but I, I have to commend you because I know you're saying – well, this is just the way it is and everybody has their things and you're totally right, but not everybody in a family is as understanding as yours seem to be. And so that obviously has a lot to do with the way that you're raising the kids. And I've got to ask you this, and I'm, I'm asking you this question because I know that people are probably thinking it. Um, we all, when, when we're first divorced, you know, when we're single and we're raising our kids alone, um, it goes through a lot of our minds of... Uh, you know, and, and I did it too, okay? And, and I don't have a child with special needs, but I had a child with some very bad behavioral issues to the point mm-hmm. where I questioned, is anybody going to want to be with me? Because they're going right. to have to, this is what comes with it. This is what is happening in my life right now. Like you said, this is us. This is what our life looks like right now. Are you sure that you want to get involved in that? Were you concerned when you met your husband um, that that was going to be an issue for him? Or did you talk about that right away? Way? Oh, yeah. And well, when we were talking, because we were both like, do we even want to do this? We'll just talk and see where it goes. So he actually said, just act like I'm interviewing you. You know, just tell me your life. And so I started from, you know, preschool and went on. And I thought, I'll just vent to this guy and that's where it'll go. And, you know, it'll be the end of it. And, and I started from the beginning. And when I ended, and, you know, I'm I'm very, very honest. Even if I don't like the situation, I'll tell you. And I told him and I said, this is, you know, we have to deal with doctor's appointments all the time. We have to deal with going to her IEP meetings all the time. Then we have, um, you know, just so many different things that ha- that come with raising someone like that. And then he would be on the phone and he would hear her because she has a raspy voice because she has a damaged vocal cord from previous experiences. But um, he, he would hear her in the background and he would say, whoa, was that her? And I would say, yep. And I said, you know, if you don't want this, you tell me now. And he would say, no, I do. And so even for the first, I would say, year after we moved in, I would say, I, I, I blame myself because I always, for the first year or so, I had one foot in the door and one foot out. Because I was like, any second, this dude's going to say, no, I can't do it. I cannot do it. And even now, I know we're married and, you know, 
we're, our vows are strong, but I'll say, are you sure that this is what you want? And he, he'll say, I married you, didn't I? And, but he says the same thing back. He's like, no, are you sure this is what you want? Because he feels that where, where we lack as far as, you know, um, what we, I, I never, I never feel like I'm doing the right thing. Never. And I think that's with all moms. If you're, you, you, you always have room for improvement. And so I'll, when I'm thinking, man, I can't do this or I'm not doing a good job. I could be doing better. He's right there to say, are you serious? I mean, I've seen worse, you know, and it could be worse. And so he feels that between him and his kids and his ex that, oh, you know, we've got problems. Yours aren't anything. So we kind of even out with, I guess you could say, the the issues that we have from our past and our kids that, you know, we feel like, you know, if you can deal with this, I'll deal with that, you know. So it was a question, and I did question myself a lot, and sometimes I still do, and I probably always will because I feel like, I mean, sometimes I feel I can't do it. You know, sometimes I'm like, am I doing the right thing here or what can I have done differently to make that situation better? But that's with everybody. And I just feel like, and we talk about it a lot, but I mean, if he can deal with my problems, I can deal with his. Yeah, so. 100%. I'm glad that you found him and that he found you. And it's interesting the way that you met. So it's wonderful. I want to shift gears a little bit now. Um, I know that your stepchildren's mother has been absent for about eight years. So mm-hmm. I want you to talk about that a little bit. Because like you just said, he, he comes with his own form of baggage and his own issues, your husband. And that's definitely part of it when you're dealing with um, an absent parent. So, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, it, she was absent for a little while. She would kind of go back and forth. We did just go through, um, a motion to modify to get, she does have supervised visits now. Um, the, I mean, the very day that she found out that we were engaged, she, she wanted back in. And, you know, my husband was like, nope, Nope, you nope, just go away, you know. And at first, I was like, oh, just let her see the kids, you know, she wants to give it another shot. Because my mom, my real biological mom, I haven't seen her since I was 14. And it, I mean, to this day, I regret not seeing her, even though I know that she's not good for me and I would never allow her around my children. You always deep down think, man, what if? And I said, so just, just give her another shot. And, and my husband kept saying, don't try, just just stop trying because it's just going to cause problems. So I quit trying there for a little while. And then um, she saw the kids and things went south on the visit. So we ended up having to go to, to court and just do all that motion to modify. And we just, after I think it was a year and a half, we got it situated and to where she sees them for like five or six hours um, every two weeks uh, uh, on a Sunday. And the kids, they go, and there's no problems. And, I mean, if I had anything to say to anybody, there would be two things. Because I've listened to some podcasts in the past that you've done with um, this type of situation and, like, dealing with exes. And I've read about several situations and things. And one thing I would say is do not reply. I don't know how many times I got into arguments with her and it was 
completely unnecessary. It made me mad. And when I get mad, the whole house gets frustrated and it just would spiral out of control. And now that I don't reply to her, we're fine. We don't have a problem. We let the, the visits happen every two weeks. We, the kids go, they come back and it's over. We don't have to deal with it anymore for two more weeks. But that was one thing that was really hard for me because I get like mama bear. And yes, it's their biological mom. And yes, we're supposed to get along, but we don't. And I have come to the terms where we're going to agree to disagree. I've tried. I I mean, we I even went as far one time as uh, getting pictures of all the kids together and framing it and putting it in this like huge collage picture that was homemade frame from the kids. And it, it just, it's not going to work. Um, there's a lot of history with her, you know, I guess you could say um, behavioral issues mm-hmm. and it's just, you can, you can try, but until that other person wants to change, and I will say she has changed a lot. Um, it's a work in progress, but you are the, I'm the mother of these kids, you know, or I'm the stepmom, whatever you want to call me. They call me your know, mom, but um, they're in my home and I raise them every single day. And I have to deal with her. We all have to deal with each other until Ever. I mean, basically, these kids, you know, I mean, I know they're 18 and they're teenagers and, you know, they're old enough to say, you know, I don't want to go and stuff. But to make a long story short, I'll always have to deal with her. And so we just bare minimum communication. I know a lot of people like the communication, but if you don't agree with someone or you can't get along, just to me, what goes on in my four walls that's what's important to me. And she's not in my four walls. Well, that's, (laughs) you know, so I don't know. I just got to keep my kids happy, whatever that means, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You have to figure out what works for your blended family. I mean, listen, it's always best when everybody can communicate and get along, but that's not realistic in a lot of cases. And so if you can't get to that level, you've got to do what works for you and, and to keep the peace as much as you can and have everything work together. So, I mean, if that's the way it's working for you, then that's fine. You know, I always say it's better to not communicate than to communicate badly um, or to fight. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's best to just not do it at all. Um, what's really interesting about your story is that you yourself had parents with addiction. And so you can relate in a way with what your stepchildren were feeling when they had an absent parent. You, you said you, you hadn't had your mom in your life since you were 14. So how would you say your personal experiences with your parents have helped you to be a better or more understanding step parent? Honestly, I think it has everything to do with it. You know, I went through um, so many things when I was younger. Um, My mom was abusive physically, verbally. Um, She would bring, you know, strangers into the house all the time. Um, I mean, it was just, I I remember wearing the same clothes for two weeks straight in junior high. I mean, it, it was just a terrible, we, I went to 12 different schools. Um, she was a heroin addict and she abused prescription drugs and there's, and she had, uh, 
bipolar and schizophrenia. She had those types of things, which if you take medicine or if you go to therapy and you do the things necessary to maintain a productive life, I mean, that's a different story. But when you're on drugs and you're abusing things and you're abusing the situation, it's just it's just bad. And my dad, he was an alcoholic. And so he actually they divorced and my dad moved across the street with a different woman. And so I was just neither here nor there. I just wanted to just grow up and move, you know, and I moved way um, out when I was 16. And, you know, I, I always said, why am I doing this? Why am I going through this? I don't understand what I've done to deserve this. And even growing up when I had my kids, I thought, how could you treat something like that? I mean, my children are my life. And to think that someone could choose something like that, I get that it's a disease, drugs, you know, things happen. I understand that. But I just, I never understood why I went through what I went through. And then when I met my husband, Jeff, and he told me these things when we were talking, there for a while, I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, I don't want any of that. But then I thought, well, I've got my problems. Why can't I deal with his problems? You know, if I love someone. And um, then I just one day I was sitting there and I was like, this is why I went through what I went through. I went through what I went through with my mother and my father so I could help these kids cope with what they've been through. And, you know, talking to the our middle child, Jeff's middle daughter, I thought, you know, the more we talk, the more I'm like, this, she is me. I always tell her, I say, you were me when I was 14. You were me when I was 15. You know, all of these things. I went through the exact same things that she's gone through. And so I think it kind of gave us a bond because she can say, oh, guess what happened like this? And I'll say, oh, girl, let me tell you, this is what I did when that happened, you know. And we communicate through a lot of that. And it actually helped a lot because, you know, she can say, well, what did you do when this happened? Or how do you think I should react to this? And I'll say, well, this is what I did. And I think I came out okay. You know, so I think it really holds us together. So to me, what I went through before, it was, I wouldn't say it was a blessing, but it got me to where I am today. And we're together. And I can, I feel like I help them out a lot. And they even help me out a lot too, because they have more patience than I did when I was that age. So, but I think it worked out. I was thinking that when, right before you said it, I was thinking, I knew the reason why. And, and it's absolute. That is why sometimes we don't understand when we're going through something, why it's happening, but there's always an answer down the road and there's always some growth that comes out of it. And, um, I think you turned out outstanding, not, not, just okay or just good. You turned out outstanding for everything that you've been through in your life. It's amazing. And now that you're able to help all these kids, it's just wonderful. Um, I know you said you have a daughter who's battling some depression. Is that your stepdaughter? Yeah, it is. And she doesn't like for me to talk about it. But, but honestly, I mean, if you think about it, um, it's so, I mean, teenagers, are, they have depression more and more nowadays. And I have said this and I will say this until I die. Social media. It mm. is social media. It can be so cruel nowadays for teenagers, especially if you have low self-esteem. 
Oh my gosh. And I don't understand it because I didn't have it when I was younger. I didn't have this social media, but, but these kids nowadays, I mean, it's like, how many likes can I get on my picture or, you know, things like that. And then if it doesn't meet your standards, you're not good enough. You know, it's just, it's brutal. And it just, I feel so bad for all of my kids really, but I feel bad for her, especially sometimes because I can relate to the things that she's gone through and it doesn't help. Her past doesn't help, but what's, she focuses on cross country and she, and I've always said, just go running, you know, and I used to run all the time, but since we've been blended, I really don't have that time anymore, (laughs) but but she focuses on running. When she gets stressed out, she'll just go for a mile run or something, you know, and, and she has, it was a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We all go, um, to family counseling once every two weeks and we focus on, I mean, on the way there, we'll say, okay, which one of us needs it more this week? (laughs) And we'll kind of focus on that particular person. We're really open. If I have a problem, I tell everybody in the house. If one of the kids have a problem, they'll tell everybody in the house. Okay. Um, some of them to different levels, you know, but um, but we 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 are dealing with depression in the house, but and there for a while it it affected everybody. But um, the more that we were open about it, and like I said, it didn't happen overnight. It's a process to even decide that you know you have it. You know, you have to admit that you have it and then you have to admit that you want help for it and you have to, it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child. It really does. And in any situation, it takes everybody involved to help, but you have to want the help. And once you get the help, I mean, I know she doesn't really want me talking about it, but I'm going to anyway. Um, But she went from wanting to stay in her room all the time and, you know, not feeling like she was worth anything. And over the past year or so where we've all came together and she's decided, you know what, I need help on this. It's a different kid. You know, she smiles more all the time. She, she knows, okay, you know what, I'm kind of getting in my funk. So I'm going to go for a run or, I'm going to do something good for one of the other kids. You know, we've talked about doing that. Just something to, I don't know if you want to say, alter her mind to positive thinking, you know. Yeah. And, but it's it's a process, and it's something that you have to be willing to want to fix. Because if you don't want to fix it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and a lot of times when people are in depression, they they don't want the help. They're you're in that no. place, and we we understand. We have two kids here that battle depression in the house, and um, it's very difficult. And you're right; it takes everybody getting involved and everybody trying to stay on top of that. And it's very very heart wrenching as a parent to watch your mm-hmm. child get so depressed. So um, I feel for it you, is. and I understand. And again, I'm glad that she has you guys to go to because what else has gone on in her life that she doesn't have her biological mom to just run to with problems. At least she has you. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. just fine. And that you guys are, are doing the therapy thing is extremely helpful that you're all involved and that you're all so open. So that's really something that you should be proud of as a blended family. Um, I want to talk about you a little bit now. You have 
a lot on your plate, as we can all hear, yet you have this positivity through all of your challenges, even despite your upbringing, which was just so difficult for you. Um, and it's just not something that comes easy to many people to have that kind of attitude. And I know that your motto is attitude is everything. So mm -hmm. I want to talk about that here because, well, I agree with you and I'm the same way. Uh, and I know that everything is what we make of it, but when things get rough, it's really hard. So what's your secret to this? What's your secret to keeping such a positive attitude through all of your challenges and struggles? If I knew, I'd tell you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, there is so many different ways. Okay, all of our kids are completely different personality. And everybody, you know, takes what I say differently. But to me, I always, me and my husband, we, uh, we always stress empathy. You know, I might not be having a good day. I might get off work and get, and I have a 30-minute drive to get home. That's usually our, like, uh, moment of peace is the 30-minute ride home. And so when I get home, I know, I mean, even one of my kids, they'll call me out. If I'm not smiling when I walk through the door, they'll say, what's wrong? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Just because I'm not smiling, there's nothing wrong with me. But I've learned that if they their mood is based off the, the adult in the house. And so if you're in a bad mood, everybody's going to be stressed out or in a bad mood. And if that one other person is in a bad mood, I mean, I don't know where I seen this, but there was a, like an image on the internet and it said a smile is the same language in across the world. Oh, and like to that. me, I, I really believe that if you smile, it's contagious. And I take that to work with me too. You know, there's some days where, you know, we'll be having bad days at work, but you know, you know, if you just say, you know, Michaela, I really like your shoes today. You know, she'll say, really? Okay, cool. You know, cause she wasn't even thinking about her shoes, but it brings a smile to her face and it changes the way that you think it. I just, I stress to my kids, attitude is everything. If you walk into a situation with a bad attitude and thinking, man, this is going to be a crappy day. Well, guess what? You're going to have a crappy day. You have to wake up and say, you know what? Um, I'm going to go in and I'm going to make me some toast and it's going to be the greatest toast ever. You know, just something silly that makes them laugh. And then that starts the process. And just like waking them up, if you wake them up in a happy voice, they're going to wake up happy, even though they don't want to wake up and go to school. But positivity, attitude, it's everything, especially in the house. We have a three-bedroom, one-bath house, and we have seven people. Do you think that that works every day? No, it does not work every day. There is a line to the bathroom every half hour. you know. But if you are positive and you stay focused on the good things, then everything else kind of falls you know, in place. And I didn't really um, go to church much, and we've gone to church um, a lot more in the last uh, year or so as a family, and um, my husband teaches the teen class on Wednesdays once in a while, and um, I don't teach, but you know I take uh, the nursery kids and stuff, but we try to stay involved in that, and I think prayer is one thing that's really changed my attitude because I fall short a lot but nobody sees it. I cry in the shower twice a week at least, <laughs> but 
I know if I fall apart in front of the kids, they're going to fall apart, especially Michaela. And then when Michaela gets mad, it's going to affect two or three other people. So I have to fall apart where nobody can see me. But it's okay to fall apart because my husband will say, you can cry in front of the children. They have to know that emotion is okay. And so, you know, not willingly, but I have cried in front of the kids before now. But um, it's just, it's okay to fall apart once in a while. Just pick yourself up. And, you know, there's another saying, don't don't live in your breakdown. You know, yeah. and everybody needs to break down once in a while. It's just human. Man, woman, whatever. You have to take care of yourself. And our therapist, you know, he'll say, Ashley, you know, you're, you're, you're a pitcher of water and you're filling up everybody's pitcher of water, but yours is going to get empty. So you have to fill your pitcher up too, or else you're going to be empty. And then you can't fill up any other, and you can't fill up the cups, you know? So I use that analogy a lot on my friends who are stressed out, you know, and I'm talking to them, but yeah, but that, um, that's very true about your, your cup being empty because that's, that's one of my problems. Um, as a people pleaser and a giver, mm-hmm. I end up doing for everybody else and never for myself. And, and that yep. happens to me too. And as far as your family, um, picking up on, you know, I've talked about that before in the show, picking up on everybody's energy in the family. And I call it energy. People can call it whatever they want. Um, but I have a family who's got a lot of sensitive people in it. You know, we've got a highly sensitive son. I, I'm empathic and so is my daughter. And so we're very similar to you in the in the fact of if I walk in the door and I'm not smiling, everybody knows it. They can feel it. Sometimes they'll even mm-hmm. know before I even walk in the door. I know something's wrong. They'll call me on the phone. We're very in touch. But I think that happens when a family is very close. Like, for instance, your house is a smaller house. You guys, like you said, are on top of each other. And when you right. live like that, you're just going to naturally get very close and pick up on everyone else's energy. Um, yeah. And it's so interesting that Michaela has, has she's got it the most, I think. She's really in tune. And I think a lot of people with her disability have that. I mean, uh, I think that they have other skills that other people don't have. So that's really, really interesting that you guys are all on top of that. Um, And that was great advice. And, And I hope that that everyone out there listening understands that that what Ashley's saying about keeping a positive attitude is so difficult to do, but so necessary, especially with a blended family, because if we let things compound and upset us and and build up and we don't know how to get out of that negative mindset, it just all starts to pile on. And then mm-hmm. it starts to just trickle down to everybody in the family and then everybody's in a mood and it's really, really, really hard when that happens. Uh, that's when the house falls apart. So that was great advice. Um, before we go, we're, we're wrapping up the interview here or or our talk, I should say our conversation, but before we go, I always like to ask my co-hosts a series of questions that are the same for everybody. Um, so are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So number one, what is the thing that you love most about your blended family? Um, I would have to say the team. Uh, I feel like we're a really good team. If someone's in a bad mood, we lift each other up real quick. Or if someone's hurt, you know, we, you know, we run to that person. But I think that we're a really, really good team. I agree from listening to you. I would definitely say that. And I, like I said, I think that's something that you guys should be proud of. Uh, number two, 
What is the biggest challenge right now in your blended family? Um, I would say our biggest challenge is probably mine is consistency. You know, with everything, I have schedules and I have a big whiteboard on my wall that has like, you know, what time this is supposed to happen and, you know, things like that. But, but, um, you know, if there's a kid that's supposed to be grounded and for a week on the third day, I don't remember and they know I don't remember. Mm. And so, you know, they kind of shy away from being grounded anymore. But I would say consistency is a big, uh, you know, an, uh, a challenge right now because, You've got different kids at different levels doing different things. And to stay consistent with one and not the other is really hard for us. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's hard to do when there's so much going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three, if you knew then what you know now, what is one thing you might have done differently when you first blended? Um, I think that we would have taken it a little slower moving in with each other and um, just getting to know each other. We kind of went full force when my dad passed away. Um, I really needed help because, you know, I don't have any other family. And so they really stepped in for me and I took the help. (laughs) And it was, it was, I would have slowed down a little bit and got to know people more and let them get to know us more because we moved in with each other, you know, and then we were like, oh, I didn't know she did that. Or, you know, oh, I didn't know he did that when he, you know, got ready, you know, just the small stuff, but it all kind of piles up. But yeah, I would have just taken things slower. Okay. Uh, Number four, what is something you know you're doing right in your blended family, something you're real proud of? Well, I personally am really proud that um, we're really open. I think that communication, and actually just had a meeting about this at work too with our coworkers, but communication, I really think that that's the key to all things. Just be open and honest. And I always tell my kids, if you're honest with me and I don't like it, you're going to be in less trouble than if I found out you were lying. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I agree with you there. Being open is is extremely necessary, especially when you're raising teenagers, I think. Yes. Um, that's very huge. True. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the last question is, if you had one piece of advice to offer the rest of the listeners today, what would it be? Well, I would say empathy, having empathy for everyone in your family. Because you might be having a really good day and you might come into the house expecting everybody to be happy and, you know, or vice versa. You might be in a bad mood and you come home and you're like, I'm done with the day. Leave me alone. But what if one of the kids made honor roll and they really wanted to tell you and now they're not going to tell you, you know, it's just always have empathy. We make our kids sing an empathy song, which I won't sing and do that to you (laughs) today, but, but it's a, it's just, you know, put yourself in the place of me. You know, you have to understand everybody has something going on and you have to be empathetic to everyone's situation. Um, because I always tell my kids, the world does not revolve around you, you know, so just have empathy and a positive attitude. 
Well, I love that. I think that's that's excellent, excellent advice. And I really loved everything that you had to say today. I'm so glad you, you joined me. Um, listeners, if you think that you have some stuff in common with Ashley and you want to connect with her, she's in our Facebook group. So if you're not part of the Facebook group, that is uh, blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. And again, that's Ashley Garland, G-A-R-L-A-N-D. So connect with her um, and definitely, uh, you know, just contact me if you want to be another co-host on this show for the listeners out there, because these are conversations that I think we need to be having. That way we can all get to know one another better and we can understand that this is not just Melissa talking about her own challenges. This is challenges that everybody has and that that if we can have these open conversations, I think it would make us all feel a lot better about things. Not that we want to see other people facing challenges, but at least we know, like, you know what? This is common. This is not just me going through this. This is a lot of people going through these struggles. So, Ashley, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable on today's show and talking to me about your family. Well, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun and um, you know, if anyone does have any questions, I will, I'm an open book. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ashley. I truly feel she's an inspiration because she has a lot on her, yet she stays so positive. And that's the takeaway today. I want you to think about yourself. Do you keep a positive attitude even when it's hard? We all fall short sometimes, but I want you to understand that attitude really does make a difference. So for this week, let's all try to be mindful of what we're thinking and make sure we avoid negativity. Thank you all so much for listening and for your support. Have a great week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.